You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hey, hey, it's the GFR show. I'm Lisa Cherney. I have another amazing human being for you to meet today. And I really believe that almost everybody listening is going to find some aspect of her story that they relate to. Maybe you don't relate to like the whole big arc of the story, which is about avoiding pain, specifically around childhood trauma and then what came of it. And I challenge you to not find uh, Kira in some way relatable in all the ways that she shares what she's been through. She is a delight. And I want to start you off with a question just to sort of ponder is, have you had some trauma in your childhood and do you feel like you've dealt with it? And that's part of her story is that she thought she had and then she found out like in a profoundly painful way that she hadn't dealt with it. Kira is a mother of five children, and she is an energetic healer who helps women clean up their limiting beliefs and old patterns so they can really show up in their gifts and be the leaders they were called to be. She is creator also of the Awakened Jewelry Collection. So she talks, y'all, she talks about how she follows all these like intuitions and inspirations and I challenge her on, I'm like, how do you do that? What about the debt and all that? But this jewelry line is her latest in, in the inspiration that she's followed, and it's gorgeous stuff. She also is the host of the Awakened podcast, which I was a guest on, and she tells amazing stories. And we're really going to dig into two big pieces of her own Awakened journey. And one of them has to do with uh, the religion and the church she grew up in, and one of them has to do with this trauma. So you know, she really goes for it. She confesses something and shares something that she has not shared publicly before. So I want you to just really honor, you know, she makes it sound easy. Like this first part of her story she shares, she, you don't, wouldn't know that she had never shared it before. And, you know, it's something that we talked about before we pressed record on the recording and we really sort of held space for her to get to a place where she said, yes, you know, I, I'm ready to share that and I can see how it all connects. So I think you're going to get a lot from this conversation. Also, we talk about several of the GFR commandments. So if you haven't grabbed your copy of those yet, go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. Just go there, put your name and your email, and you'll get the beautiful full color roadmap for getting real. And I think it's going to help you drop in to see if these commandments are the ones that also speak to you. 
So without further ado, I want you to meet Kira Paulson. Hello, Kira Paulson. Welcome to the GFR show. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited. I was just on your show last week, or at least we recorded your show last week, your Awakened podcast, which is amazing. We were saying how fun it was that we, I get to be on your show and then you get to be on my show. And yeah. It was. It was an honor to have you on my show. I had such a great time and I walked away with crazy insights just from you being a guest on my show. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm honored by that. <laughs> well, I can't wait to tell your story. When I uh, met you at the conference that we were at, and I heard just a little blip of your story, I was like, oh my God, I have to have her on my show. <laughs> and you know, Kira had to get over a little something around the F word. So maybe some of you relate to that because her show, they don't say the F word on her show. And <laughs> So we had fun just talking about language and how loaded language could be and how much it could serve. And uh, so that was kind of fun. It was a good opening up around insights into what the value of offending people sometimes or turning some people off. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was very helpful for me. All right. So, you know, our show is all about those GFR wormholes and the, the struggle with a purpose. And so I love how on the outside, you know, and a lot of our guests say this, like you appear to have it all, right? And you're a mother of five kids, which I am like physically <laughs> I am bowing down to in this moment. Never, my listeners know I have one and I like, I could do one. I'm like good at one. So five <laughs> freaking blows my mind. So mother of five, you know, awesome hubby, all that good stuff. And yet you have had some significant awakenings, no coincidence, along your journey that have really led you to hold an amazing space for women when it comes to waking up and all that comes with that and their divinity and all that good stuff. So when did your waking up start? <sighs> right? That's what the show is all about, where we have businesses that are a reflection of our journey. Yes. Well, like so many guests who are on my show, they always say, well, I have had so many awakenings, right? But I would agree with them. And yet there are some pivotal moments in my life where I would say I began to wake up. And this was not a process of one year or a day. This has been a very long process for me. And I would say it began eight years ago. I remember I was very, very devout in my religion the religion that I grew up in was the Mormon religion. I was so devout and it. it was just so a part of every piece of my life. And I remember one day sitting in church and feeling so out of my body like, oh no, I don't think I believe everything here anymore. It was so tragic for me, like deep, deep grief because this is something that I devoted my whole life to deeply loved, like in all the cells of my body. I loved this religion. And to have had that, that break, and I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this will pass. This will pass. I will be the story of the doubter who then comes back, the believer. And um, I fought it for so many years. But that was an awakening for me because when I woke up to that inner realization. It allowed me to seek God with an unbridled passion. Like what once was true for me, which was church was God. All of a sudden church began to be a community 
and I got to have God be God. And that was the beginning of a spiritual path, a spiritual seeking that has been so profound for me. And it is the root and the center of all that I do. My businesses, my mothering, my every single day life is rooted in this connection with God and the divine. And I believe that I had to have that break, even though it was probably one of the most painful breaks that I've had. It was like the moment where the floor caved and I didn't know where the ceiling was or where the floor was. Like that's how deep my connection was with this religion. So to have doubt in there, I felt like I don't even know what is true. I don't know what's false. And it was a very shaky, shaky time for me. But it was like a precursor to my next awakening, which actually happened four years later. And I was- Let me, let me pause, pause you for yeah. a second because this is juicy, juicy. <laughs> okay. And I want to acknowledge you because you haven't talked much about this aspect of your story. And you know, we're, we are about confessions here in the most honoring, bountiful, profound, evolutionary way that we can be here on the show. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And I just know how powerful this is going to be for our listeners because whatever religion or doctrine you grew up with or tradition you grew up with or culture, right? I mean, there are people that are have come from different countries into the U.S. and their homeland culture is like all they know. And then they, you know, there's sort of cracks in the foundation of that. And they, you know, then they're questioning and then there's so many ways that this looks, Kira, right? Like, yeah. so inserting your version of that is super powerful. And as you were talking, I just got this, like, such a sense of awareness of it was your comfort. It was your, like, if I know nothing else about life, like, this is what I can count on. And, you know, this is what I know to be true. And it's like, it was your North Star. The church was your yeah. North Star. And then, you know, it kind of reminds me of there was a moment in my adolescence where I realized I didn't believe everything my parents believed. It's a bit like that, right? It's like this individuation that happened for you. Yeah, I think you named it exactly so that the church was my North Star. And so to have felt, I just remember this day so clearly. I was sitting in the back of the classroom and the teacher was up and I just felt like someone had plucked me out of my body. And I was like, oh no, I don't believe all of this. Oh my gosh, if I don't believe all this, like I must be horrible. Like I must be so unworthy. I can't believe I don't believe all this. And then it was like a long battle of shame for me, of like just shaming myself for having these thoughts, for not feeling uh, like I once was. It was just so easy before. Right. You know? Just to believe 100% and not question is way easier. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> I, I kept being like, where is that Kira? I need her back. It was so much easier. But now I'm like so grateful because that sticky place led me to seek out God on my own. Like, who is God for me? And as I sought him, I like found him. And I found him not in the places I thought I would find him. I found him in my serious levels of hell and pain and trauma. Like he was there. He wasn't on some mountaintop. He was in like the hell. And that's when I got to know who God was for me. Yeah. We're going to share sort of the, the hell part. 
more hell part of your story, the hell chapter two, a part of your story <laughs> in here in just a minute. And, and now that we're really talking about this, I could see how valuable it was to have this crack and this foundation for you to prepare you for, you know, the next challenge that you are going to take on in your healing journey and your evolution, because I feel like you were able to call upon a much more tried and true and internally resourced God than the church-based, you know, building-based, yeah. location-based God. Yeah. Agreed. I know, like, I mean, I have seen that if I hadn't had that crack, I wouldn't be able to have the work that I do now that is just, it's so unbridled. Like the work that I do, it is just so guided. For me, it's God who's guiding me that it allows me to have all this agency and how I share and who I am and how I show up. And the old version of Kira could have never been able to do that. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. And from what you were sharing with me earlier, like you feel still a deep connection with, you know, the Mormon community and it's like your culture, it's your people. And when you were sitting there in the classroom that day and you sort of had this like completely untethered moment, it's like you almost needed to untether to sort of come back on your own terms is what I'm hearing you say. Yes, because I still attend the Mormon church. I have a massive love for the church and I love the doctrine. I love so much in it that I have only the best feelings towards that religion. There's just so much in it as well that doesn't fit in my soul anymore. And that's been a hard place for me to be okay with. Yeah. Because I just always thought, I'm just going to come back. And maybe I will. Like, the story is not over, you know? But I mean, I still take my children. I still belong to that community. I think it's a phenomenal community that does amazing things. Awesome. Okay. So that was eight years ago Mm -hmm. and you became unbridled in your connection with the divine and with God. So what's the next piece that you want to share with our listeners? So it was my 33rd birthday. And I remember, right? So yeah, this was four years after my, my religious break. And I was sitting in this beautiful restaurant with my husband and he just looks across me and he says, what are your dreams for this year? You know, I had just had five children. I had a pretty successful massage therapy business. I've been running for a long time and I had a photography business. I literally had all these wonderful things. I was so unhappy. And I just looked at him and I started to sob right there in the middle of the restaurant. They just said, I don't have any more dreams. And it was the most hopeless I've ever felt. Like, I just felt like I don't have any more dreams. I don't remember how to dream. I don't remember what to dream for. And my husband just looked at me straight in the eyes and he said, you have three days to come up with three dreams or something like that. I can't remember the numbers, but it was like very distinct. Like you have this amount of time to come up with some dreams. And it was the catalyst for everything. And so I began to pray and I asked God every day, like, show me how to dream again. I used to be this dreamer. I used to have this passion and it's gone. And did you know that like before your husband asked you that question, did you have an awareness that you had stopped dreaming that you like, that you were sort of on autopilot? No. I mean, I always go back to this one story of like, 
it was about that same time I was at a church function and they had all of the women like tell, what's your favorite thing? Like, what is your favorite thing to do? And I remember literally sitting there and they got to me and I was like, drink Dr. Pepper. Like I literally was like, I have nothing except I love to drink Dr. Pepper, which was like a 10 year addiction, which mm-hmm. I have now given up grateful. But it was this awareness of like, what the heck happened to me? Like I was a massive dreamer. You find me at age 17, 18. It was like, I was going to change the whole freaking world. And here I was at 33, like lost in despair and hopeless. So until he asked that question, I don't think I knew it until that moment. It like was slammed in my face. Wow. Wow. So you said you blew past the three day deadline he gave (laughs) you is what I'm hearing you say. (laughs) It did not work so well for me. It was like, this is a deep search. And so every day for five months, I prayed. I was like, God, show me how to dream. Show me how to dream. And it was just like unanswered every day. And then it was answered in a way that I could have never imagined. And it was freaking hell. And it was the most profound experience of my life. And it's when my trauma memories, but mostly my trauma pain, of being sexually abused as a child came back. I've always known that I was sexually abused. It's not like that was something that had never okay. occurred to me. Okay. So it wasn't like, like, holy shit, I didn't know this happened to me kind yeah. of thing. I had always known it. I've always been in self-help work. My parents are healers. So I've done a ton of different healing modalities. So I thought like, I've dealt with this. Like, I'm fine. It's never been a big deal for me. Obviously, this didn't affect me. That's how I always thought about my abuse. But the pain showed up. Hmm. So it was like pain that I'd been running from my whole entire life. It was like a wave blew me down to the ground. I just couldn't even breathe. I couldn't move. This pain I'd ran from my whole life finally caught up to me. Did it happen in... Like one morning you're praying, help me dream, help me dream. And it just like bubbles up and sort of overcomes you. Was it like a slow, slow build? Did you know what it was right away? So I had found out that someone I knew had been sexually abused. And that's what triggered it all. It was like, I had always been like, okay, God, I'm cool. I went through that abuse. But like, maybe don't let anybody else go through that. I think that was just this undying like, promise, I thought, you know? So when someone else I knew shared with me that they had just been abused, it was like the doors were opened, the caves were unlocked of all of my pain. And that's, I mean, it was, it was like a tidal wave of freaking hell. This is all it was. Wow. Wow. And you knew immediately, this is pain from that I haven't dealt with. A hundred percent. I was like, oh, I thought I had dealt with this. Oh, no, I never even touched this. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because before the interview, when I was reading all my research, the way I thought that you didn't know that you were abused and then you sort of had this memory, which I do understand that's some people's experience. So I think this is a really good nuance to share because I think there are many more people that have an awareness that something happened. Maybe they didn't even label it abuse. Maybe they just have the scenario in their mind and labeling it would make it even more scary. Or, or maybe with the Me Too movement and, and things that they are dropping it more into like, oh, that should happen. And that apparently was really, really not okay. And, you know, and it would be okay if I was not okay about it. And, and so I think it's super 
helpful to acknowledge that, that we could have the memories and kind of note something that happened, even felt like we dealt with it, and then have another layer, something uncorks it, and there's another layer to our journey of dealing with it. A hundred percent. And I really believe as I've, so I do a lot of healing work. I've done healing work for eight years and I've dealt with, helped a lot of people through their own pain. And I've watched that a lot of people have the huge layer unleashed on them in their thirties. And I really believe it's because we couldn't handle it any other time. Like you really have to be at a place of a little bit more stability to be able to, to take that on. Do you think it's age-related or do you think it's there's just coincidentally a certain level of settledness, but it's not really age-related? Yeah, it's probably not age. It's just interesting that I, I meet so many. Yeah, who it is interesting. In yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what did you do with what was coming up for you? So I remember calling a hotline. Great. I myself, called a hotline. And I was telling them about this person and they were like, I don't think this has anything to do with this person. I think this is your stuff that's coming up. And I was like, I hated them. I was like, who are you? Like, I was just so livid that they would say that to me in their wisdom. They knew what was happening. And I just fell to the ground and I just was calling out to God. And I was like, how, how have you left me? Like I literally felt like he had left me, like he had abandoned my, my secret deals with him that he wouldn't let people go through the pain that I'd been through. And, and I just felt so angry with him. Like I thought he was my friend and where, where is he in a moment like this? And it felt as if the heavens actually closed for me, which they're usually pretty open. Like I receive a lot. And at that moment, the room was just silent. And it felt like God had left me. And I was like, okay, if God leaves me now, I don't want to live in this world. And that's when I decided I was going to commit suicide. But in that moment, my divine self reached over to my phone and called my neighbor. And my neighbor didn't answer her phone. And I was like, well, that was my last chance. And she called me back within 30 seconds and said, what do you need? And thankfully, she was one of the very few people. I actually went to school with her for the spiritual healing work we did. I don't know, four years wow. prior. What were the chances that she was my neighbor at this time? She already knew my trauma. So I could say, trauma has hit. I'm, I'm ready to end my life. I need you over here. And she was with, within two minutes, she was at my house. And she just held my hand while I screamed at God. Wow. And like, she just like saved my life. She did. And, uh, you know, what was so powerful for me was after about two hours of that, I had to get up and pick my kids up from school. So I wiped my face off, got in the car. And as I was driving to school, like, I just heard God say, this is all for your benefit. And I just chose to believe that, okay, if this is all for my benefit, then I need to know why. And so I made a deal with God that day. If this hell is for my benefit, then you better show me why it's for my benefit. And you better show me why I'm here. And that declaration changed my life forever. Such a courageous thing to, to take on. Because I think, you know, I believe that we often have those 
awarenesses, messages, intuitions, gut reactions that are so clear and hopeful and intentional. Like, you know, I'm, that's it. I'm taking charge of my life or that's it. I'm really going to love on this body from now on, or that's it. I'm good. You know, whatever. And they're not coming from ego. I think, I think what I'm talking about is the ones that bubble up from inside like that one did for you. And what you chose to do though, was to stay connected, like really tether, use that word again, right? Tether to that declaration instead of the pain. Yeah. It unfolded dreams and a life that I could have never imagined. And it was not easy. I, uh, the pain was still there. It didn't go away. Spent months and months in EMDR therapy, lots and lots of nights, just not able to move out of my bed. It was a very painful time of my life. It was like a piece of me died and I got to be reborn into something way more powerful. I feel like I want to ask you practical things about this period of time because I'm hearing that you allowed yourself to stay in bed. Like I'm hearing that you gave yourself the gift of EMDR, which I think I might ask you to talk about a little bit. I believe that there are people listening that know that they have some really big shit that they need to deal with and they just feel like they don't have time. So can you speak to like mom of five kids? How does she create the space to heal like this? So it was out of necessity because even though I had chosen to live that day, I still dealt with a lot of suicide ideation. My husband, at my request, he would write on my forearms with permanent marker every day. Left arm said, I choose to live. And the right arm said, surrender, fear, face Christ. And every day, I just looked at these words and uh, it didn't get easier. And it was one day I was driving and I just, the pain was so intense that I called my husband and I just said, I need you to put me into a psych unit. Like I can't exist in this much pain. And uh, he said, come home, I'll take care of you. And that's the day I said, I need help. And then, uh, you know, I prayed and I asked God who I should go see. I threw it out on Facebook and like three people said this one lady's name. So I was like, okay, that's her. Yes. She was my freaking angel. <laughs> her name's Glenda. We call her Glenda the Good no Witch. No way. What's her name, Glenda? <laughs> yeah. She's uh, just saved my life. And EMDR was just really powerful for me. My soul, my body reacted well to it. I Can mean, you talk was- a little bit about what it is for people that don't know? So EMDR is rapid eye therapy, which means that they put you into a state where you feel the pain and then they have you blink your eyes and look different ways while you're blinking in a way to break the patterns in your brain. So going to her was not fun and leaving, I felt worse. Like I felt like my skin had just been peeled off. Like every time I went, it was like, I went home and like literally just laid in bed for hours. And prior to this in my life, my kids had never seen me sit because that's how I dealt with my pain as I ran a hundred miles an hour and never stopped. And this forced me to stop and face my pain. And it allowed my husband, his first opportunity in our, who knows how many years of marriage at that point, probably 13, 12 years of marriage to like actually take care of me. Up to that point, I had never allowed him to. 
And so beautiful that when you needed it, he was there because dynamics in marriages are sometimes, you know, don't ebb and flow. That's amazing to hear that that's how it evolved for you guys. Yes. It was a gift for our marriage for sure. It was a gift for my kids because up to that point, I couldn't really connect with my children. And that had always been something that was so sad for me. It's like, I can't connect. I can't connect. But it was because the pain was in the way. So as soon as I let myself move through the pain, it was like I got to be a new mother. I got to be a new human because I was able to finally connect to others. Wow. What an amazing awareness that you had that you were not able to connect with your kids. Like You probably were like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. Which if you talk to most survivors, that's their experience. Their experience is that as much as they want to connect, they can't. And it's because abuse happens in connection. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I just could feel when things are said that I know that a listener is going to go, shit, you know, and they don't need to relate to the whole story or any of it. They could just take this one piece and go, oh my gosh, I am having trouble connecting. I was wondering what was wrong with me. Maybe there's something here. It doesn't need to be exactly what, what Kira went through, but there could be something that I need to really look at. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of one of our prior guests who you may know, Jay Gabrani. He was at that event where we met and he's the one who founded Prepared Fathers. Oh yeah, I lost his wife. So I'm like listening to you talking about like admitting to your husband, like this is what I'm thinking and I'm having him really like have that opportunity to step up. And I'm thinking about Jay, so yeah, I'm talking about episode 31 from Sudden Loss of Spouse to Prepared Father Passion. You know, he didn't get that chance. She wasn't able to articulate it, you know, and then he didn't drop in and, and like sort of get into like, okay, this is serious. I need to really help. The circumstances are, you know, are different, but the end result was that she committed suicide. And so I'm hearing your story and I'm just, I'm appreciating the different path that this story took from his experience. And of course, I, in my belief system, he had the experience he needed to have to serve in the way that he's serving with prepared fathers. But I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to insert it here because gosh, hosting this show, I am just so profoundly touched and like even puzzled by all the different sides of the stories that I hear and the different, and result that happens. And so this is a happy result. You didn't follow through or were not able to, or it didn't happen. And so here you are to share it and your insights, and then to pick yourself up and move through your healing, which you've said you're still doing, and create your whole awakened podcast movement, all that. (laughs) Yeah. It was an extraordinary experience. Literally months after this all went down, I had this like what was he? He's a blogger. He sent out just a, an email to everybody on his list that said, you should be an author. And when I saw this email, it was literally like, I heard it out loud and I was like, what? I'm not supposed to be an author. I didn't even go to college. Like, how could I be an author? And then it was like every day I heard, like, you're supposed to write a book. So then obviously I started asking God, what's this book? What am I supposed to write? And within two weeks, I'm not even kidding you. I'm driving down the street and I see the cover of this book 
from the top down in front of my spiritual eyes. And I see the words, the hidden gifts within the trauma of sexual abuse. And I just started sobbing. I was like, I am not writing that book. And yet it was the beginning of everything I do now, which was creation. I learned how to create with God. And I wrote that book in, I don't know, three, four months. It came out so fast. And from there, I created a publishing company. I published my book. And then I started on this extraordinary path of what I just call creation. And whatever God inspires me to do, you just bring it forward into the world. And it just is the utmost joy for me. And does God pay you well for these (laughs) (laughs) falling hit the inspiration? (laughs) You know what? That's actually been a hard part because I went into a lot of debt starting my business. And strange enough, the debt has been a gift because there are obviously times that I wanted to quit. Like I am just sharing my soul into the world and I'm done. But that debt was like the thing that was like, sorry, you actually can't quit. (laughs) And so it ended up being this massive gift. And now I'm happy to say that I have a business that runs very well and I am getting that debt paid off. And every day I feel grateful for it because it kept me on my path. It didn't let me quit. Beautiful. I love the way that you were able to see the gift in that. And I ask that because I'm revealing what has been a huge piece of growth that I've had just even in the last couple of months around really recognizing that the thing that drove me to drive myself so hard is at the root appears to be a financial insecurity, fear, right? A fear of money. And I, you know, and I have lots of mentors and awesome peers like you that I got to process things with. And I remember saying to one of my friends, like, okay, I'll surrender, but you got to show me the money. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, and of course, at the same time, I'm like, I have this like acute awareness of no, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) You know, you got to surrender just completely and totally and just fall off the cliff into the abyss. (laughs) Got to jump into the abyss without knowing if the money's going to come. And, and so, you know, obviously, because I walk my talk, huge awareness and awakening around launching GFR and holding space for this platform and the show and, the, you know, the, my work with clients and our GFR squad and like all these things. And it's amazing how, and, and for me to really trusting the inspirations and going with the guidance. And I'm about to go onto a business retreat that is going to be really fun to see what comes through of what's, you know, what's the next sort of level and iteration and, you know, tentacles that come from this. And so I just really applaud you because it's not easy. And I'm sure people are thinking too, like easier said than done. You know, it's not easy to go with those inspirations and, and listen to those messages and incur the debt and watch the debt build and make the, uh, the next investment that you know you're supposed to make, even though you still haven't paid off the others. And like, you know, that that's shit's real. You don't always pay off the others before the next one comes, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that piece of the story. I think it's very powerful. Yeah. I, I love entrepreneurship. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 12. I started a dance studio in my garage. Like I've always just loved to run my own businesses. And so when this came forward, I really thought like, obviously this is going to be super successful right away. And when the debt just kept growing and I kept getting more inspiration on who I was supposed to work with and what I was supposed to be creating, you know, I just created this high-end jewelry line that 
I get to handpick the Gorgeous, y'all. You have to check out Kira's website. We'll put a link in the show notes for sure. It's amazing. It's amazing. I handpicked these stones from my friend's mine. And and (laughs) that is... That is still such a leap of faith. Like, all right, here I go. Here's the next creation that's coming to be born. And I'm not going to let fear stop me from bringing it forward and trusting that it's just all going to fall forward. It's all going to come into place. Because one thing I do know is that when I'm inspired and I don't listen, it creates massive suffering. So I'll just listen and I follow because that's what creates insane levels of joy for me. And I refuse to stay in suffering. It's just, I don't want to. I don't want to anymore. I love it. It's it's actually reminding me of GFR commandment number six, which is not one of the ones that we talked about prior, but it's have faith in yourself and your mission. And all of our commandments, they each have a confession question, which is, what would I do differently if I had faith in myself and my mission? So I love what you just said. You just said, when I have inspiration and I don't follow it, I'm paraphrasing, you know, suffering happens, you know, and so to just have such clarity about that. And then to really, what I'm hearing you say is, I don't care if more debts incurred, like, that's actually not the suffering that I'm trying to avoid. It's, you know, so can you talk about that? What, what is your awareness of the suffering? Because that GFR commandment is one of the hardest, I think, because it really confronts people on okay, like if I really did believe in myself, if I really did believe in this mission, if I really did believe in this intuition or this gut or this guidance that was given me or, you know, the thought that I had, I should write a book. If I really did believe in that, you know, what would I do differently? What would I do differently if I really had that belief? And it's very, very confronting because it really illuminates how fearful we are. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you have the same fear. I don't. And I think it was because when I told God I would live, if he showed me why, and I committed, like, I'll do whatever I need to do on this planet Earth. It was like the energy of my life shifted and there was just no going back. So every now and then he'll, uh, you know, God will give me these inspirations and I'll be like, hmm, that's just, I don't know if I can pull that oh, off. I have to make dinner tonight. God, I don't <laughs> have time. Right? Like I had, uh, I shared it on my podcast. So I had this vision of the divine mother and I asked God who should paint it because I can't paint. And he gave me an artist's name. And a year later, the opportunity came for me to fly to Texas in her studio and bring this painting to life. And it was two weeks ago from today. We went, wow. I went to Texas. And when I bought the tickets to Texas, I like fought that inspiration to go to Texas for a month. And that month was super dark for me. So dark for me feels like depression. It feels like hopeless and despair and just like lots of pain in my heart. And that's the suffering I get when I don't listen. I remember the night I called my mom. I said, I'm buying my ticket to Texas. I just have to say this out loud. I'll talk I to you later. watch the kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm flying to Texas and I went home and I bought the tickets and like, it was like the suffering melted off my heart. Peace came back. And I was like, ah, yep. I'm not going to do that for a month next time. Wow. Nope. I need it. Like I had to have a remembrance of like what it was like when I said no. And when I just say yes, things just flow. It's like the barricades go down, miracles happen. And my experience in Texas is to this date one of the most spiritual, profoundly empowering experiences of my life. Working with this artist, bringing forward this vision that I had. And if I had said no, I wouldn't have been able to have that. And then the world wouldn't have this painting that's literally going to change people's souls. Like I just know it 
I know it, I know it. And so now there's just no fear for me. There's a purpose and there's a path and there's always a way. I so appreciate the illumination of, and such the black and white sort of distinction of don't follow what I'm being guided to do. Suffering happens. This is what it feels like. I make the decision. Suffering goes away because I know from experience, my own personal experience with addiction, I label it as addiction, but y'all, you know what you use to not feel, whether it's Netflix, <laughs> you know, or booze or or drugs, or food, or gambling, or sex, or whatever it is, y'all know. And I'm so acutely aware of that we, many people, including myself in the past, did not have those black and white distinctions of, I'm feeling this, this guidance, this intuition, this thing I'm supposed to do, suffering starts, and then I finally do it, and then suffering ends, because we are numbing ourselves out you know, we don't, and we don't have that distinction. We're not aware of that feedback. We don't have the North Star. We don't have the GPS. We don't, you know, fill in the blank. So I, I think it's a really GFR people, <laughs> which brings me to commandment number 12, which is one that you actually did point out, um, which is find where you're holding yourself back and do whatever it takes, you know, to get out of your own way. And can you share a little bit about why that one really spoke to you? Because even though I think that I don't hold myself back. There's a lot of me that I don't share. There's a lot of uh, my spirituality, the practices that I do that are so core in my life. I think I've only shared them with the women who are my mastermind. And it was so powerful for me to share that with them that I, I realized I hold myself back. Like I don't share all of me. And I think that's actually what I committed to after you were on my show last week was like, it's time. It's time for me to really share all of my spirituality, all the ways that the divine connects with me so that it can inspire others to believe that it's possible for them. Yes. And I really applaud you for going for it today and sharing you know, parts of your story that you hadn't really publicly widely shared and moving through whatever fears or beliefs or stories that you had around why you know, that would be good. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to, and you listened, you did it again today. Darn it. <laughs> you listened, you know, and I know it's really going to help people. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on and letting me have this space to share. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Is there anything um, in closing you want to share with our listeners around tools or things that you did to get through that pain or that you, you know, do now to sort of maintain your peace? <laughs> Yes, actually, I did a whole Instagram story on this today because I woke up in straight up mucky crap today. I had a son who was sick for three hours last night. I finally fell asleep. My other two little ones woke me up for an hour. I was just sleep deprived, exhausted, and I woke up like a meanie. I was so mean this morning. And I was like, crap, I can't be in this space. I can't be in this darkness. I have a lot of things to do. I had a podcast on my show. I'm on your show. I'm helping one of my mastermind women author her book, publish her book today. Wow. So it's like, I can't be in my lowest crappy vibrations. So I have very simple and quick ways. Because as a mom of five, it's not like I have all this time just laying around, right? (laughs) So Oh, should just fly the mother of five flag around just to make us all feel like... (laughs) I share that so that people get, it's so possible, right? Like it's so possible. And excuses. 
excuses. Yeah, there's just, there's no excuses and it's easy. So here are my fastest tools. Okay, great. One is I shield myself, which I'm giving to your audience and your yes. listeners. Yes. It's just an energetic visual shielding that protects you. It also infuses you with light. Fastest way to start raising your vibrations. But I was so dark this morning that like barely tipped it for me. Normally I write pages of gratitude every morning, which I didn't have time this morning. So I just started 10 minutes, like everything I'm grateful for while I'm driving my kids to school. I'm speaking them out loud. I'm moving into gratitude. And then I do 10 minutes of something that's going to get my blood pumping. So it's some jumping jacks some push-ups. And then here's the final thing. And I know it's a lot of tools, but it didn't take very much time. I get in the shower and I do 30 seconds steaming hot water, 30 seconds freezing cold, three oh. rounds three rounds. And that shifts it completely. I walk out and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And my vibrations have completely lifted. Awesome. I love that. Those are awesome. Those are simple tools. I like how you said I did my gratitude list when I was driving my kids to school, like, you know, multitasking at its finest. And I've heard of uh, temperature shocking like that being super beneficial. And I love it. Thank you for that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) You'll love it. You'll love it. I've been trained by two mentors on how to do that in the shower. And I was like, that sounds horrible. But then when I started, I was like, okay, that's it. That's going to change my life. (laughs) And you know, y'all, it's better than having to run around the block or anything. It's pretty low effort on our part. Just turn the water out. So that's awesome. Kira Paulson, you are a light. Thank you for all you're doing to awaken the planet. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Mm, Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for our acquaintance and everything that you've inspired me to do. So thank you. You're very welcome. What an awesome way to end the interview with Kira with her giving us basically her process that she does every morning, particularly on the mornings that she wakes up feeling like she didn't say cranky, but that's my word, (laughs) you know, in a dark place, not centered. I have prayed many times over the years that I suddenly turn into a morning person, which I'm not, and wake up cheerful, which I don't. So I'm going to put into practice a couple of things that she shared, if not all of them. And I invite you to download her shielding practice, which is her free gift to our listeners. It sounds pretty freaking awesome. And the link for that is in the show notes along with the link for the GFR commandments, because we talk about three or four of them in the show. And really, it kind of helps bring them to life in a practical way. And it really is the roadmap for getting real. So if this is resonating with you on any level, and you want to keep in touch with me, go to gfr.life forward slash 12C, and we'll send you your full color roadmap for getting real. And for our GFR squad, so this is our membership community. You can go to gfr.life forward slash squad to check it out. She shares some cool stuff around how to create a sacred space in your home. And particularly hers is a closet. And I have one in my closet in my office that I'm going to do it. So we lay down a challenge for the GFR squad and we give some tips around it. So uh, you guys be excited about listening to that. And then if you are not in the squad, It's super inexpensive and it's super powerful at the same time. And it is real cool place to let your hair down, get real and shorten the path to the impact and the money that you'll make with your mission by really putting some skin in the game. Not a lot, but a little, enough (laughs) skin in the game around your GFR journey. Would love to see you over there uh, and get to know you a little better and be in connection. All right, y'all. Until next time, over and out.